0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the 35K Day Podcast. I am your host, Michael David, aka MD, and I'm really thankful that you're listening. It really does mean a lot, truly. Uh, This podcast really kind of has been on my mind for a long time, I'll be honest, and wasn't sure how it would even come across. But I'm thankful that I took the leap and did it, and thankful for just its support. It's been amazing. As it comes from, originally from my I Decide campaign, that stemmed from this very interesting poem that came to me one night on December 5th of 2010. And it's interesting, the timing of when that occurred. But... Before we get into this, I, I first of all, this subject of divorce is extremely personal for anybody that's ever experienced divorce, whether you were a child and your parents divorced when you were cognitively aware, or you yourself have gone through divorce. And as it's been said before, divorce is worse than death because that person is still walking around, and it can be a continual reminder of that pain, especially if you have kids as a result. <clears throat> you know, most time when you break up, uh, you never see that person again, and time heals that wound. But when you have to maintain a level of connection with an individual that you can no longer be in a vulnerable relationship there is still a level of vulnerability and today I really wanted to talk about divorce and what I have learned from it and the takeaway has truly given me a greater understanding of love number one but number two What it really takes to build a fulfilling marriage. Let me just say this before I get into this because uh, I'm going to get deep within my own experience that maybe you can relate. But if anything through this podcast you found uh, interesting, helpful, insightful, challenging, all I ask is that you share it with a friend. That maybe somebody could be uh, facing an impending divorce, they could be coming through a divorce, they could be well past the divorce, but still dealing with some recurring issues or hiccups and they're not really sure why and maybe this can help. Because if if nothing else, the, the lessons that I took away from it, the lessons that I found to be most beneficial for me in my marriage now that I have, that is just truly incredible, And it is incredible because of what I've learned. Now, I've been divorced twice uh, previously. Once to a a marriage in my uh, early mid-20s. And then that only lasted the, the marriage about 13 months before she up and left. Literally, I was out of town. And while I was gone, she moved out, got an attorney, so forth. And... You know, for me, that kind of wrote it off. I, I felt just totally and without question just so violated and hurt and just it, it crushed me. You know, my vision for my life, the kind of that um, unwritten contract was the hope of just getting married and having one family. You know, my mom and my biological father uh, split when I was very, very little. I was like one, one and a half years old and then uh, my mom remarried when i was 4 <clears throat> right before i turned 4 due to the nature of the divorce and uh, issues that my mom and my biological father had uh, my biological dad um, signed away his parental rights and i actually didn't actually meet him uh until i was 17 18 but my stepdad who I always refer to as my dad was the man who raised me and I actually went through an adoption process where I took his last name and I didn't know any different I didn't have any uh, back and forth I didn't have any possession exchanges I just had the stories that my mom told me be that as it may I wanted so much to have my own family And that comes from our innate sense of belonging. We want to belong in a relationship that we feel safe, that we feel like we are accepted for who we are, because that is a big fear of not being loved and being rejected for who we are. And first marriage was odd. A lot of uh, really interesting things that, you know, kept raising flags for me. Uh, you know, I'm a communicator and uh, I, I'm, I'm a why guy. You know, why, why is something going wrong? Why are you upset? Uh, let's talk it out. What can I do? Uh, but to the mistakes that I was finding, I was putting too much responsibility on my partner my significant, my, my wife of, I was depending on her to make me happy. And, and that's why we ultimately get into these relationships and dating. Uh, we get engaged, we get married because we are building a premise and a framework that this person is going to make us happy. That's a setup right there. That is a preconditioned, mistake that is being put into the relationship from the get. And it took me two divorces to realize that. And we all do it. Now, let me just first off say no good marriage ends in divorce and it takes both parties truly does. But I had to accept my own responsibilities and what I was doing wrong because after the divorce of uh between my kid's mom and I, I have two children um both were extremely different. you know, the first marriage you know we dated uh we uh, for quite some time we lived together for a while. then it was for me like this natural progression of just where it just needs to go. Not that I was overly passionate, it just seemed, well, okay, this is the next step, <clears throat> and that didn't work out, <clears throat> and there are a lot of other issues on her end too, along with my own, um, naive expectations. And then when I met my kid's mom, I was actually, I had written out marriage completely. (laughs) I didn't want to put myself into that vulnerable state again. It would, it, it hurt me so bad. And I just felt so incapable. I, I just, I was like, why, why did this happen? And I, I didn't want to end up in that feeling of vulnerability again emotionally because it's crushing. Everybody that's been through divorce, you know this. It is crushing. When I met my kid's mom, it was quick. It was fast. It was massive infatuation. I had never seen somebody uh, that I had dated or been around that was just so uh, caught up in the things I was doing and who I was. And there was a bit of an age difference. Uh, I think eight years, maybe. Uh, She was younger than I was, but I, I didn't look at age difference. Um, I just looked at the compatibility and man, she was really into me and uh, it was really fun. Uh, I was just energetic and it, it just kind of happened fast. And we ended up married, um, it's like five months later and we were married for, nearly nine years uh, before uh, she walked out. You know, like I said, we have two kids. And uh, when the marriage ended and my son was two-ish, my daughter was like nine, ten months old. And talk about crushing. uh, Both times it seemed like my world around me completely came crashing down. And it left me in a really troubled state. And especially after the second divorce, which was certainly not in my plan, it really made me question my ability to even love where, and yes, it hurts to be walked out on. It hurts because ultimately by getting married the second time I was in like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to trust this and man, this, this is going to work. This, this is just, this, this has to work. And, you know, uprooted my life, uh, everything that I knew. And, you know, we moved to Houston, where she was from. That, you know, it did matter to me. Because um, you do what you do to, you, you want to contribute to the relationship. And, you know, we will all make sacrifices of our own desires because we want to make the other person happy. But through the marriage, clearly one of the most important parts is communication and trying to resolve issues. And so you're dealing with expectations on both sides. And so much are preconditioned and misaligned with really reality. You know, uh, I grew up in a tumultuous home to a degree. My mom was, you know, volatile, (laughs) volatile. Manic depressive, bipolar, alcoholic, uh, very volatile temper. And I remember hearing my mom and my stepdad getting in. Well, my mom is extremely heated. Uh, My dad was a very calm guy, which seemed to be jet fuel to her flame. (laughs) So conflict for me is I never wanted to get in. I I never wanted to uh, create an environment that had that type of culture. So I don't like uh, arguing. Uh, Because I don't ever want to see it escalate to that point because it, it, my mom would yell at me horribly, uh, belittle me, condescend me out of anger, uh, for a lack of discipline of those emotions on her side. And I never wanted anybody to ever feel that way because of me. So I like to work things out. Let's talk this out. Let's talk about the problem. What did I do? What did I say? What did I not do? What did I not say? Like, where did I go wrong? But the second marriage was a real struggle trying to communicate. And, you know, went to seminars and whatever, m- marriage, uh, you know, boot camp stuff, and just nothing seemed to work. And I'll never forget, it was one night, and uh, she told me, she had her back to me, and just kind of fell out, you know, marrying you was a mistake. <laughs> and that'll rock you to your core. And, you know, here we were couple of kids and actually this was before my daughter was born (laughs) and uh it was really tough it was really tough her expectations were not being met clearly (laughs) and I was obviously hurt I mean I I was shocked when she made the statement now not to say we were having marital problems trying to find a solution because I did not want to go through divorce didn't want to do that Nobody wants to do that. You want to try to patch the sinking ship. You want to try to find a way to keep it going. It just didn't work. Expectations could not be met on both sides. And a lot of hurts and a lot of reservations. And I'll be honest, I closed off. When somebody tells you that marrying you is a mistake, literally just straight up to your face, it is a natural reaction to you don't want to be vulnerable anymore. (laughs) Hello? And that was the beginning of the demise of our marriage. Now we, we try to work through, uh, clearly our uh, you know, daughter was a fruit of the effort, but in the end it just wasn't the marriage that she wanted based on her expectations. I was not making her happy, I was not fulfilling her needs, and I was also reciprocated. Because of that, her passive retaliation was to emasculate me, And just do passive things that chipped away at the desire to want to repair that marriage. All this being said, that was just to give you some context of where I come from. And when we split, I went through a self-discovery phase because now divorced and two kids was certainly not in my life plan. <laughs> oh man, talk about things going sideways fast and it was very difficult. <clears throat> because it is the the greatest sense of a feeling of abandonment and failure and embarrassment and self-ridicule because you beat yourself up. Now you can blame the other party for their wrongs, but again, No good marriage ends in divorce. It takes two people. All that being said, the practical things I learned from this were actually and are quite simple. I realized one of the first mistakes that I had made, I was expecting, and I was expecting just marriage in general, that it is the partner's job to make me happy. And when they don't, we take offense. It creates a small separation in the level of trust, in the level of vulnerability, in the level of how we love that person because we are actually loving with condition. I'm gonna love you with all of myself until you are not meeting my expectations of making me happy. And reflecting back, I also realized that I remember going through some book, packing some things up that were hers. And I came across a book that I had bought during uh, one of the marriage counseling uh, weekend things that we attended. And it was the five love languages. And I tossed it. I'm like, yeah, piece of crap book. (laughs) I I really kind of despised any of those workbooks that I read and really tried to apply in that one in particular, because it was just being pushed so much, you know, it was written on the context of how to help people who are married learn how to communicate kind of like a, uh, um, you know, a language translator, if you will, but it was like a week or two later, I remember I was moving the boxes and that book was on top and I was like, you know, I wonder if I actually read this book with a frame of mind of being single, how, how could I rethink this? Because again, I I, in, innate within myself, I have this forensic mind and I want to find cause because I want to find a solution. And if there's something I need to fix, then what do I need to fix? And that was one of the other things that I also began to understand through really the rebuilding of myself and repairing some things that were not correct was how did I set that marriage, both marriages, plural, up to fail of my own doing without even realizing it? Because again, nobody gets into marriage because you want it to end. Nobody does. You get into marriage because you are in this blissful emotional state that you just want to be around this person all the time. And you want this level of certainty through marital contract, through, uh, through vows of commitment, that this is the one person in life that you can depend on. The underlying mistake is when people are depending on that significant other to be the source of their happiness. And I learned this is one of the big lessons that I took away. And I even told my my wife before we got married, I am never going to expect you to make me happy. That's my responsibility. Because that was a mistake that I had made. That was a mistake that my two previous wives had made to themselves as well. They had put that expectation on me and our natural instinct. When we feel hurt, we feel taken advantage of, we um, feel our vulnerability is hurt, damaged. We retaliate, we close off and we want to, in a sense with a passive sense of sense of vengeance Want to make the other person now begin to feel a level of pain by withdrawal, by the cold shoulder, by not doing the little things that maybe you're accustomed to doing in the relationship to kind of make a point. But over time, what become really small issues and not addressed become a massive wedge and it drives people apart because that wedge, if never attended to, begins to build this scar and this impenetrable Barrier that is so extremely difficult to overcome for most irreparable and also out of pride. <clears throat> but some of the practical things that I really began to take away through this time after the divorce uh, of my kid's mom was how do I, if, if I ever ever find myself in a relationship that is with a woman who this has real legitimate mature potential I don't want to go through this shit again (laughs) pardon my French the first one was crushing enough the second one and with kids in the mix it is even more crushing and I did not want to go through that. Besides the fact that now I have children to consider, not just myself anymore. And I got to figure my shit out because I remember one day it hit me. I've now been divorced twice. I'm the common denominator of these failed marriages But I didn't look, I didn't, please understand, please hear me out. I didn't look at that as if I was incapable of contributing to a fulfilling marriage. It was actually, as Jocko Willink says, it's a level of extreme ownership to one's own responsibilities. And it was an awakening moment. When, you know, we we can blame our significant other, you know, your ex, for all the things they did wrong. But until you're willing to sit down and admit what you did wrong, you're going to end up in the same situation again, just like I did. And I'm telling you, I did not ever want to find myself, if I ever, ever got married, again, I was not, I, I needed to find out what I need to fix, what I need to do better, where I need to improve, because this is my responsibility. It's all It's all on me. So what do I need to do? And I began to really understand what gratitude really means and empathy in a marriage, because One of the things that we do to set ourselves up to fail in a marriage, in a relationship when you're dating and you engage or you get engaged to them, is you're setting in place conditions, expectations that are truly unrealistic. I realized, first of all, uh, a long-term, powerful, um, you know, marriage goals, Marriage doesn't come because you like the same kind of peanut butter. It doesn't come because you both love to work out. Those are great things. But you have to have a foundation built on some really solid understandings and principles about your responsibilities in the relationship. Because if you do not fulfill your responsibilities in that relationship, you only have yourself to blame. And that's the talk that I had with myself. Where am I going wrong? What expectations do I need to remove? And it began with really digging within myself to see how my childhood and my expectations, you know, whether it be from movies, whether it be from just my own fantasy, my own dream life. how I needed to take these things that were not meeting my expectations to look at it more effectively and responsibly. And this is one of the one of the biggest takeaways that I realized. And when I met, you know, I dated a little. But again, I you know, I didn't bring somebody around my kids until we had been in dating for, you know, several months. Because Again, I want to see it. Was there going to be longevity? I didn't want my kids to see this revolving door of women <laughs> in my life. That's not appropriate, nor is that healthy. And <clears throat> so I, again, because I had children and I did not want to find my myself in that, again, in that place in my life, you know, when uh, my kid's mom and I split, I was, uh, uh, Late thirties, mid, mid thirties, 36, I think. I think that's right. And uh, yeah, that's right, 36. And mid thirties did not see myself being a divorcee twice. (laughs) But here I am. And that's one of the things I had to do is I had to accept where I was. Number one, plain and simple, right off the bat, I'm divorced, twice. Now, how do I need to change so that I do not set up that relationship. The next one I get into, if it's a long-term dating, that I do not set it up to fail because of my issues. And I really took a hard look at myself, how I love, how I communicate, how I react to things. And... What do I need to improve now when I met my my now wife who also by the way is pregnant with our little boy we're doing a couple months here in May 2019 just for context when my wife and I met it was not under the under the pretense of dating relationship whatever we met in a completely different capacity, but I remember when we met, I was just so impressed by her poise, the way she articulated just her mannerisms. It was just really impressive to meet a woman with such class, and I was very intrigued. I just wanted to learn more about this individual, and it was it was a while before I think, you know, um, she'll have to fill in maybe some of the fuzzy details, <laughs> but, uh, of how our conversations began to kind of spark and, but it just continued just because of intrigue of each other and having just conversations about life, man, and, and not, you know, over the top philosophical discussions about solving world's problems or world hunger, but it was just about the realities of life and the home life she grew up in, um, dating and relationships and our, her own self-discovery. And I just became more and more intellectually on a very cerebral level, this woman that I'm talking to, and yes, she, she is stunning, but one of, one of my careers as a photographer, I was paid to photograph many of what would consider the top 1% of the world's most beautiful women. So physical beauty had lost its allure for me because I had dated that I, um, uh, saw that that again only goes skin deep i needed something that was cerebral i needed something that had staying power and that's when i realized for me part of who i am is and i I thank god for my photography career because it demystified the beauty factor of women just because you hot that's not going to last. You're going to get old and wrinkly, you know? And if you're conditioned to only be in love with somebody because they physically meet your criteria, well, what happens when they've gained some weight? Life happens. They get a few wrinkles. Uh, they start to get hair in weird places. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, now are you going to fall out of love for them because their physicality is no longer what you deem to be at your quote unquote level, well, again, you're, you're setting someone else up to live by an expectation that is your expectation, not theirs. So it's a misalignment of desire. And you're also telling them that your love for them is conditional. When inside of us, we all want to be in a thriving relationship that we truly feel is totally unconditional. Well, let me tell you what I found with my wife and what I learned through divorce. I, Because, and this is where we all set ourselves up in relationships, dating, engagement, and marriage. Why we set ourselves up. We come into relationships because we want to be happy. And I I get it. It's a selfish desire. We want to feel loved. We want to feel accepted. We want certainty in a life with so much uncertainty and change. We want that person that, as people say, ride or die. I want my ride or die. Somebody that's going to be with me through thick and thin. That's even in wedding vows. I promise to be with you through richer, for poorer, through thicker and thin. But let's be honest. If you're in a relationship with preconceived expectations and conditions when Let's say you both could be in thriving careers, making a a great amount of money. You're enjoying travel and, you know, buying things and, you know, having the fancy things of life. Well, then what if the careers come to a crashing end? Then what? Now, when you've got financial issues, which is the biggest contributor to so many relationships falling apart is because you're already walking into the relationship with a condition that you have to be financially stable and everything has to be according to plan For you to be compatible with that person. And that's why it's gonna fail. We are people of condition, yet we want unconditional love. (laughs) That's why. That's why it is never working out for people. And when I realized through my discovery, my expectations were based on my fears. They were based on my wants and they were based on my selfishness. They were not based on gratitude. They were not based on empathy. They were based on sheer self-gratification. Well, you can't build a fulfilling relationship with somebody when everything is based on conditions. And if they don't meet those conditions, then you're not going to be open to them anymore. They're not going to want to be open up to you either. So as I began to learn my wife through conversations and and spending time together, it was clear this woman is, I, I am truly just so overwhelmed and humbled that I'm the guy that she looks at. I'm the guy who she looks for. That text in the morning, that text in the afternoon, that phone call, that FaceTime, that prize, and it was both of us because we, we both found this feeling of so much gratitude. And when you're really grateful for something and when you feel like you have something in life that is this prized jewel what do you do with that? You protect it. You take care of it. You 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 put it into a uh, you know a, a case or a carrier that doesn't expose it to the elements that doesn't expose it to harm. And that's when it hit me. And it was actually uh, when I was looking at a uh, at some high-end jewelry. I was looking at some watches, and I'm just looking at the display case. I'm like, this is what you do with things that mean something to you. When something doesn't matter, you throw it around. You know, you have your yard shoes. <laughs> you know, you have your workout clothes, then you have your going-out clothes, and your workout clothes are a little dirtier, a little older, kind of worn in. Your yard shoes are the older shoes that you don't run anymore that Are a little beat up, that are dirty, and you just kick them around. But if you have a pair of shoes, let's say that's autographed by a famous athlete, you're not going to wear those shoes around. You're going to keep those safe. You're going to protect them. And every now and then, you're going to look at them. If you have them in a display case, you're going to look at them every day. You're just going to admire them because you're you're so thankful that you have this prized possession in your life you feel so lucky i realized that's this is this must be one of the elements that makes a, a successful marriage and i realized you know if you've ever listened to relationship seminars you've been to marriage counseling you 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 hear people talk about how you got to put work in the marriage marriage takes work Successful relationships take work. You got to put in the work. But nobody really explains what that work is. The common response for most people is, well, it's just about compromise. Both people have to sacrifice. True. But if you're sacrificing with conditions, you're, you're, you're putting ticking time bombs into your relationship and that's not gonna end well (laughs) you hurt me what you did really pissed me off I can't believe you did that why did you do that you didn't tell me this you didn't tell me that and you start to lash out at the person in your life And then it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, why don't you do this for me? Why don't you do that for me? You, you never do this anymore. You never do that. Why can't we go back to just the way that we were all these statements that come out? And I'm sure this is sounding familiar. And you start to hold these small passive grudges in this little pouch of your heart. And the more things that begin to occur You begin to close up and withdraw and give the cold shoulder and then passively do things to piss the other person off because it's a sin of retribution for you. Well, since they did this to me, I'm going to do this to them. I'm going to make them hurt because they made me hurt. And you don't really deal with the issue. You know why? Because you want the person to glorify you, to revere you, to fulfill all of your needs and desires, bow to you. Well, this is what I've learned. And I hope that you take this as a serious nugget of consideration because it has yielded the most successful relationship of my entire life. I feel so damn lucky that my wife is in my life. I really do. She's an amazing woman. I'm just so blown away to the caliber of human she is. And just her intelligence and her forward thinking and her ability to be so cognitive and her suggestions in life and... I felt so lucky and I never wanted to lose that. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is not paying attention to what you value most. But if you value yourself most in that relationship and not the other person, that's why you're going to ultimately end up alone. Because... A relationship is not about what you're getting from that person as they're making you happy, as they're fulfilling your desires, as they're uh, uh, fulfilling the conditions that you put in the relationship that you never quantify, that you never articulate, that you never uh, communicate. But when they don't meet them, you certainly show that in very funny ways that cause them now to then retaliate. Because now they feel vulnerable. Now they feel hurt. Now they are feeling rejected because you're feeling rejected because they're not somehow fulfilling your need when you never even told them what your need was. But yet you're expecting them to know what that need is. Every day, I realized the work that people never talk about in a marriage, in a relationship to make it fruitful is not work that you have to do, but it's work that you want to do because you want the end result. I wanted a fulfilling marriage. I wanted my wife to know that she will never have to question my life. And I had to pay attention, had to pay attention to the things that are important to her what matters to her, what helps her feel needed. And like I told her before we got married, honey, I'm going to tell you right now, the, your responsibility of thinking you have to make me happy is not yours. I want you to remove that from your conscious thinking. It's not your job to make me happy. That is my choice. Now, neither of us want to be the source of pain, of anger, of disappointment of hurt, but we sure as hell need to be reinforcing and strengthening the sense of acceptance and love. And this is how you do it with empathy. When you truly feel lucky, truly lucky that that person chooses to be with you, then you want to do things that show how much it means to you every day. And every day I do something that lets my wife know that she is thought of, that she's made to feel a priority, that she feels loved, that she feels respected, that she feels revered. Though there are a lot of things, you know, self-confidence, self-worth, self-value, self-esteem, those are all things that you know, are my responsibility for myself, just as those are responsibilities for herself. But I certainly do not want to be a contributor that damages those. So it's a responsibility. But when you wake up every day and you truly feel lucky that that person's with you, you want to earn that in some way every day. And that was the practical thing that I learned from the divorces, that I wasn't waking up every day, earning love in the relationships. Neither of us were. And that's why my wife and I, we always communicate. We talk about um, where we're feeling vulnerable, where we are feeling uh, maybe not as important. You know, if one of our careers is taking a lot of time and energy, it's important that we express that just so the other party, because we know that we don't want to be the cause. So please make me aware. So I know what to do. But at the same point, when my wife is is at a, you know, in a career that takes a lot of time, well, let her. <laughs> it's her career, something that she's doing that she enjoys. And it's requiring a lot of time and responsibility. Well, let her. Don't sit at home going, Why aren't you home? I want you home. Like, babe, I miss you. And what do I do? Well, I'll make a point to, if I'm in her area, I'll go by Starbucks and get her a favorite coffee and swing it by, say hi to her. I text her in the morning, mid-afternoon, tell her I love her, ask her how her day is. And when she comes home, I'm just so grateful to see her. All I want to do is talk to her. I just want to hear about her day. She wants to hear about my day. And we talk and we, everything that we talk about, there's always something that makes us laugh. And, you know, I look at her, I'm like, honey, you've had a hard day. What can I make you for dinner? Because when, again, if somebody comes home and you immediately hit them with, why weren't you home? Why weren't you this? Why weren't you that? You're telling them that they are not meeting your expectations, that they are not living up to the conditions that you're expecting them to live by so that they can have the happy side of you. See, my wife, I feel so lucky. That she's my wife. I feel so lucky that when she walks in the door, I feel blessed because living in a city like Houston, when there's a car accident, almost every day, I'm just feeling so lucky that my wife was not a victim of a car accident that she walks through this door and I have her another day. I feel blessed and I never want her to feel any less than that. And you know what that does that instills within her the same desire now, we've both talked about the work of relationship, what it takes. We both know this. And what it takes is I need to show her love in the way that she needs to be loved. And if you want to know what your what your spouse, what your significant other, what they need, they don't need you to love them the way that you want to be loved. We're all different. They, if you really Do want to build a fulfilling marriage, then you must take full responsibility of your role in that person's life, the role that you accepted, the role that you took on and put your own selfish desires and needs and conditions and expectations away and go, you know what? I have this person in my life who chooses to be with me with all of my idiosyncrasies, with all of my oddities, with all of my weirds, and they still choose to be with me. And you need to dwell on that for a minute and let that gratitude sink in because that's going to change your mindset. And ask yourself, what if something tragically happened today? How would you feel? What would you do? It's that level of gratitude right there. You do not want to wait until it's too late. And that was one of the things I realized too. We live assuming everything's going to be going well. But how many people get up in the morning, get ready for work, they drive to work, and they get killed in a car accident? I know it sounds morbid, but look, I'm going to be 46. I have had some friends die now. Car accidents, as well as terminal illness. Life is a little different. And you don't have this unlimited credit card of life. There is a level of certainty that We have in relationships, but don't let that level of certainty cloud your mind to remove gratitude because it could be stripped of you at any moment, any moment. And by maintaining a sense of empathy and gratitude in a relationship, let me just tell you how that benefits for me. Yes, we have, my wife and I have disagreements, not yelling matches, but I then have to take a look and go. Does this really matter in the end? Does this really matter? Where, I'm, where am I putting my feelings out on the plank? And am I feeling so violated that, my, that the conditions that I put are not being met? Because so much of the hurts and the pains that we face in life and in marriages are our own doing because we're expecting our partner to love us in a certain conditional way. And when they don't meet it, we get upset. And then we lash out. I encourage you, if you're in a relationship and you're feeling like it's really getting strained, you're engaged and maybe you're feeling like you're kind of at a pit of a moment where hmm, you're maybe starting to second guess, you could be in a marriage right now and it's feeling very stale. I want to encourage you, if you feel lucky as hell that this person's in your life, take the lessons that took me two divorces to figure out in a lifetime that when you feel lucky that that person is in your life and they choose to love you unless you wake up every single day and do something to earn their love, heart and loyalty in a way that they understand. If you don't do that every day at some point someone else will because you're giving someone else room to move in and fulfill those feelings of acceptance and, and appreciation. Because if you go through life and people talk about, you know, they, they've been married for a long time, they're kind of in a rut. If you go through life and you just assume that they're always going to be there, well, they, they know that I love them. Assumptions are what create massive divides between people and a lot of issues. Take it from me, I know this. <laughs> it's difficult. Marriage is, is, is tough because you're taking two completely different people from two completely different uh, upbringings and now with, you know, hurts and fears and baggage and now you want to coexist and build a life together. Well, it's not going to be sustainable if it's based on you love the same peanut butter or you both love CrossFit. CrossFit comes to an end. Life happens, career, family, children, failures, mistakes, financial pitfalls. But the point of a relationship is to be there for one another with zero conditions. And if you can truly find yourself now in a, in a state of massive empathy and taking full responsibility of your role in the marriage, in the relationship, Then you are on the path to building a relationship that is 100% fulfilling. But you have to communicate this with your partner. It can't be one sided. Because I'll tell you, when you're in a consistent state of empathy and you're always working to earn your significant other's heart and love and loyalty in every way, every day, in a way that matters to them, little things aren't going to bother you. You're going to be more apt to listening when things go a little sideways you're way more forgiving because you're not defensive because you're proactively working to make sure that that person feels loved accepted respected and valued so if you don't know what your person needs from you and i hear this from a lot of couples well i just don't know what you want from me anymore then look at how they love you because that is what they need. If they're always leaving you little notes, if they're getting you prizes from time to time, if they're going out of their way to maybe they text you um, in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening, maybe, um, uh, you know, they're, they're doing little things for you. Those are clues into what they want, because again, we love We show love in the way that we want to be shown love. And that is your responsibility to figure out. Because if you can get your eyes off of yourself and expecting that it's the other person's job to make you happy, that's step number one. You're on your way. Number two, you wake up every day and you focus on what can you do today to earn their love, heart, and loyalty in a way that matters to them. You are on your way to creating a fulfilling relationship. This is the work. By maintaining a daily sense of empathy and gratitude for your significant other, both of you will be able to come through anything. My wife and I have faced some incredible personal challenges together, not within each other, but to things around us, career and people. And without our true support and empathy and gratitude for one another, uh, it, it would have crushed us. But it's actually made us stronger. Because, again, the point of a relationship is to be there for somebody. You can be depended on because you love them and you want to be there for them because you want to be the source of assurance. You want to be the source of comfort. You want to be the source of assurance. You want to be the source of love and acceptance. You don't want to be the source of pain and rejection. So again, if the outcome for you is you want to be in a fulfilling relationship and a fulfilling marriage, then you must make the decisions daily to create that and to stop expecting your spouse to do it. You need to do what you need to do to contribute to the success of that relationship in creating the environment that fosters love and acceptance and dependability with zero condition, zero condition. Because when you have empathy for someone, you're not defensive. You're not attacking them. You want to help them. You want to be a part of their life. You want to be by their side. And that's what it takes. Again, it took me two divorces to figure out where I was going wrong. Where my foundations and my expectations are being created? And that was number one. I had to get rid of my expectations. Things are never going to work out the way that you think. But if you wake up with gratitude every day, And you're just thankful that, look, I wake up every day. I'm just thankful that I'm married to an incredible woman who chooses to love me, for me, being divorced twice, (laughs) 45, 46 years old, starting to show signs of of age with wrinkles and whatnot. I'm amazed. A guy with two kids from a previous marriage. And here we're about to have a son together. Our marriage is not perfect. It's not without struggle. But we don't struggle between each other. We struggle together as we fight for one another and the things that we want each other to accomplish. And it comes from love. Not loving yourself. And that is part of a lie of this day and age of love yourself And getting into relationships with conditions that they have to love you. You want to find somebody that supports your goals, your dreams, your ambitions. What about the other person? Are they only going to get that from you if at first they give it to you? It's not how it works. You'll be alone. This is very practical, folks. And it just comes down to decisions every day of what you choose in your marriage, in your relationship. What are you building? Because you're only doing one of two things. You're only either building a fulfilling relationship in marriage or you're breaking it down because you're not accepting full responsibility for your role in that relationship and you're causing problems and not solving them by making the, what should be the most important person in your life. You're not making them feel valued. You're not making them feel important. So you have to take responsibility, quit blaming how they didn't do this and they didn't do that, or they did this and they did that and go, okay, you know what I want? This person is clearly hurting. What did I do or what can I do to remove that pain and help them feel valued? There, I was working for this company, very demanding on time, in and out of meetings all day. Like, I mean, I literally would, would hit the ground running until I would get there at like 630. And I would leave six, seven sometimes with an hour drive home. And um, one day she finally just said, honey, how come you never text me back? Like I I do get worried. And I kind of got defensive at first. I was like, babe, I'm just busy. And I realized I wasn't listening. I saw the look on her face and I realized I just belittled her. I devalued the fact that All she was wanting was to hear from me. That's all she wanted. So I had to find a way to fulfill her desires to where she no longer felt unimportant. So I put in my calendar in the mid-morning because I live by my calendar. Mid-morning, mid-afternoon. Text your wife, tell her you love her. Ask her how her day is. Now, it may sound systematic, but let me tell you, it was my responsibility to find what I need to fix so that I can give my wife what she's wanting from me because she texts me every day, I love you. How was your day? I miss you. That's how she shows love because she wants me to know that I'm important to her, which tells me that's what she would like. That's what she wants to be shown. It's little things, man. Don't overthink it. It's not don't save your your gratitude and value for Valentine's and a birthday and Christmas. Because you can't build a fulfilling relationship and marriage on 3 days a year of work. You want a real fulfilling relationship and marriage? You have to do due diligence. And do the things that your spouse, that your significant other needs to feel important to you. That's your job, that's on you. And you accepted that when you stepped into this relationship with this individual. Again, you have to accept full responsibility for your role for it to truly work. I hope this really helps. And I hope that my mistakes and what I learned can really help you avoid them and have some clarity, real clarity. And how to build a fulfilling relationship and marriage in your life. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a little bit long, but I wanted to be honest and I wanted to be very transparent and allow you to hear from my heart how divorce taught me truly how to love. It's not easy. You have to take a step back and accept where you need to improve. You have to accept fault. You have to. But this will help you. Infuse empathy and gratitude into your relationship, and I guarantee you, you will see a dramatic shift in the outcome of that relationship on a daily basis. I guarantee it. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if this was helpful, encouraging, empowering, intriguing, challenging, all I ask is that you share it with one friend. Thank you so much. Remember, you make 35,000 decisions every single day. Make sure they help you and not hold you back. Until next time.